We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome back, I should say, to Dream. Draft rules everything around me. I'm Chris Persiane and your host here on KFS. Excited for another episode of Dream with you guys. Um, the NCAA championship happened. It's over. March Madness has officially come to its April end. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't come up with a word that started with A fast enough. Um, but yeah, so that's over. UConn, congratulations. Jordan Hawkins, congratulations, because your stock skyrocketed like a missile during that tournament. You earned it. Congratulations to Hawkins. And congratulations to Donovan Klingon, too. Another Husky I want to shout out. Um, whether he declares or not is currently a topic of debate. It is also currently not something I have any sort of information on. <laughs> so I cannot testify or it infer or imply or test, 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 imply trying to combine those two words. And it ended up just sounding like something John would say, um, uh, anyway, so yeah, I, I think he should declare this year, but he might not. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think that, you know, whether he does or not, um, he should be looked at right now as a really good prospect. If he does not declare, he's got a chance to really go lotto in 2024. So, you know, best of luck to him in that regard. Um and what else did I want to touch up on? Oh, we had some some mock drafts come out in the draft, you know, community in the draft world. Um, and so I wanted to talk about something I saw in one of them to start out today's episode. We had the great Jonathan Wasserman put out a new mock draft for Bleacher Report. Um, and he had the Dallas Mavericks with 
their top 10 pick with the number 10th pick in the draft. The number 10, I'm doing well today um, with grammar with the number 10 pick in the draft. The Dallas Mavericks selected Cam Whitmore, small forward freshman Villanova um, in Jonathan Wasserman's latest mock for Bleacher Report. As you guys know, as we spoke about last week, Whitmore, the number three prospect on my big board as of right now, um, that would... I would understand if the Nick faithful who I normally chastise for their addiction to misery, no matter how good the team is, um, they can't get away from, Oh, of course this happened to us. It's the Knicks. Cause as someone that is a fan of the Mets, Nick fans do not know. They cannot fathom. They cannot imagine that kind of luck being in, you know, like I think obviously if I were not a fan of the Mets, I might say, Oh yeah, the Knicks, you know, worse. I, I, Andrew Claudio will tell you about the Mets on Mets therapy, his new podcast on blue wire, which you should check out. Andrew Claudio will tell you about the Mets. So, so to me, it's like, you know, haha, Nick fans always miserable. If, if Dallas got my number three prospect, in a draft class that is possibly the best draft class in the last several years and including next year with the 10th pick in that draft class, because they got to keep it because it was the 10th pick and it did not convey to the Knicks. I would understand if the Nick faithful were a little frustrated about that one. Um, Yeah. You know, Wasserman says uh, Whitmore will enter the league with a type of power explosiveness and shot making for instant transition, offense, slashing, finish and streak shooting, um, which is a little milder of a temperature of stock that he's holding than I am. Um, But that's still, you know, he sees it as a best available prospect pick there for Dallas. I think that uh, if he were there, you know, you obviously take him. That would be something. So uh, to review, if you don't know, then Jeremy Cohen lets you know. And if you didn't hear from him, you'll hear it from me. The pick that the New York Knicks have from the Dallas Mavericks is top 10 protected from 2023 to 2025. This means that if the pick is top 10 in 2023, it conveys to 2024 where if it's top 10, it goes to 2025, where if it's top 10, the Knicks get the Mavericks 2025 second rounder. Now I did think, Oh, they have Luca. They have Luca was a little bit overblown this season, but my answer to, will they finish top 10 each of this year and the next two years? My answer is they have Luca. So uh, the Knicks should be getting that first round pick in one of those three years, not to worry. Um, and they will likely be using it to select a prospect that is high character, can pull up shoot or projects to be able to pull up shoot. If they can't do that, it's because they have so much athleticism or so much length. There's so much twitchiness with the ball in their hands. Um, they have an advanced handle. They have an advanced shot. They've done several years in college, or if it's only one, they'll go to the G league. You know, like the Knicks have established their type here. Um, you know, if, if the Knicks, wound up trading down and taking Colby Jones. I would be so unsurprised. I'd be so hilariously unsurprised. 
because that is just what they do is they find guys that they think are going to go lottery in a redraft that are going to go like 25 and they move back, take them and then take those extra assets and stock them away for that future star. The Knicks are getting closer to when that star acquisition is going to come. But um, for now, it's looking like they're going to add one more piece of young talent up the pipeline in, in this year's draft if they have a first round pick. And if they don't have a first round pick in this year's draft, this will be the last thing I say before I open the floor up to APJP to slide me some of y'all questions. Um, this will be my final note. I think if the Knicks don't get a pick in this year's draft, whether they did or didn't get a pick in this year's draft, we're going to move one or two of RJ Barrett and Obi Toppin this summer. Now the Knicks have been excellent over the years at having something they don't need or don't want and turning it into something they do want with the extra cost being things they have a surplus of. So it's really of no great cost to them. Cam Reddish, one of two first rounders, Josh Hart, Alec Burks, Kemba Walker, Nerlens Noel, six, seven second round picks, Jalen Brunson, right? This is what this front office does. It would not surprise me if the, they have RJ and Obi and the, they need a first round pick in this draft end up being connected. If Toppin and, um, you know, something else in draft capital, uh, the protected picks are traded for the number 21 slot in this draft. You know, whatever it is, the Knicks, everyone knows those protected picks won't grab them a star, but can they use them to acquire the dressing on top for a star deal? If they go draft Colby Jones in the first round and he looks really good right away. Do they hold on to Quentin Grimes and put Jones in that start? You know, like what the plan is, is unknown, but it would give them options. If they wanted to trade Grimes, they'd have a replacement. I'm just spitballing here. I don't think the New York Knicks are waking up in the morning going, we want to trade Quentin Grimes and the same deal as Barrett. And Relax. Um, but for me, I do think that it wouldn't be surprising if Barrett and Toppin are not on the team and they do end up with a first round pick. That's not that Dallas pick. Um, I just see them adding someone from this class that's going that looks like they project to be an impact player, potentially a starter, potentially a really good bench player. And that's where the Knicks will play them for the next several years is off the bench. Uh, like they have done with quickly the last three years, just, getting into that late first round, mid first round, adding someone who can contribute in a role day one, but also develop down the line or say it's someone like Taylor Hendricks, um, you know, might be able to contribute day one, but not consistently to the point where they play a Sims or a Lyles in place of him. And then, um, you know, move, you know, move him up the, the rankings. Uh, but yeah, I just do think that that is an interesting potential thing to bother Jeremy about with questions in the future. When he does cream shows cap rules, everything around me. Now, APJP let's get some questions in from the people. Cause that's what we're here for. Fargo Tufo with a super chat first up. Thank you. Thank you for the super chat. Great start. We got in things started off with the super chat. That is, I'm going to like jokingly call that like the, the broke college kid 
bacon, egg and cheese fund or like the broke college kid shop cheese fund, because shout out Swayze for that. But um, that is what <laughs> these are going to is my breakfast. Um, so thank you guys um, for sending me to class, with the full stomach. Chris, if the Mavericks pick doesn't convey, do you see the Knicks trading a future protected first to get into the late first round for a project? Gigi Jackson or Miller Fargo. Great question and great timing considering I just brought up tangentially uh, this topic, but, but let's delve into it a bit further and, and, um, talk about really like what projects they might be interested in, what kinds of prospects they might be interested in, uh, if they were to do this. So I could see the Knicks taking some of those protected future firsts they have and, and combining them with a top in or something like that to wind up with, uh, you know, a, a pick in this 2023 NBA draft. Now, um, I don't think Gigi Jackson fits the mold here in New York. Now, while he has the size, the handle, the shot making ability to thrive under the bright lights of Madison Square Garden, I don't think that we can safely project him at this point in his career to approach playing in New York City with the mental makeup and strength and fortitude necessary uh, for the challenges that it brings. And the reason I say that is because the thing with Jackson is you watch him play and you see, you know, like, um, you know, the videos where you see Kobe doing a fadeaway and they put like the, the ghost of Jordan over it. Like was that, and then like Kawhi, you know, and that's like Kawhi Booker to Kawhi to Kobe to Jordan. Like they track the, when you watch Gigi Jackson out there, you see like the Michael Beasley level scoring from someone that size, but it's not quite as natural. His shot prep isn't quite as smooth. Um, Frankly, if you want me to get weird on you, I, I think something that about GG shot and to our listeners, you're going to have to check out the YouTube for this. Sorry, um, but I'm about to show you what I think is wrong with GG Jackson's shot. Uh, so, yeah, give me a second here. I'm going to point to my I'm going to first do what a jump shot should look like how I shoot. I'm not a good shooter, but I am technically sound because I coach, even though I don't make them all. I, I do know how to shoot roughly kind of, I like to pretend. Um, and then I'll show you how Gigi shoots and what the difference is. Sorry for being insane here, but just, just check this out. So your normal shot, you got the, the elbow creating a right angle. And when you do release it, you can have the, the pointer, the middle finger, both of them be the last finger to touch the ball. I go in my middle. So it looks like this. Right. And, and that arm is coming straight up and the middle finger, last one to touch the ball. And you can see my arm is straight. Right. And even when I'm prepping my shot. That arm is straight. It's going down straight. It's coming back up straight. Gigi Jackson, when he shoots, his load up comes from the left. And so there are NBA shooters that have succeeded with this in the past, but I'm just with the kind of shots that he likes to take. I can't say that I love this. Um, and I'll show you what he does now. He brings the ball from the left. And the shot ends up looking a bit like Obi's where it's very contained within itself, but it has that cross body movement that I just, you know, he gets it off from deep, but 
do you want him shooting like that when he's taking these super tightly contested fadeaways? Um, shot breakdown aside, um, I think that he can do it all offensively, except like make his teammates better. And then on the defensive end, inexcusable at lapses of effort, inexcusable shot selection on the offensive end. Uh, but I'm willing to wipe a lot of that away. I wiped a lot of it away for Anthony Edwards at Georgia. Um, I had him too low on my board at number three that year. But it, if I had listened to my instincts about those lapses of defensive judgment and effort and and just trying in general, I probably would have had him in the top five at like four or five. I, I looked past them because of his ability with Jackson. He doesn't have that 99th percentile athletic ability to make up for those lapses. Like Edwards does. He doesn't have the playmaking ability that I saw in Edwards on the offensive end. And so while he's larger um, and some people see him as a bigger Anthony Edwards, that's a comparison I've seen thrown out there for Jackson. I don't see it at all. Um, and I think that you're much safer calling him a a uh, a more confident Rui Hachimura who could maybe you know really play more minutes on a good team and and bring great scoring to the bench unit and be worth twenty million a year down the line. Like that's more of a realistic outlook to me than um, lying. So, so sorry, I like to have fun. Um, so yeah. Uh, I don't see the Knicks taking Gigi Jackson because they've really been in on high character guys and guys that have shown efficiency, guys that have shown winning characteristics, guys that have shown a need, not they, not that they like to win um, and not that they want to win. They like guys that have shown a need to win. Uh, and, and Jackson really has struggled in all of those regards. Now, Miller, um, Leonard Miller from the G League Ignite, very intriguing and someone I could see the Knicks being interested in, but I don't know if th- that early, you know, like the, the mid first round would be the spot. Now the late first round, if they traded back um, when the Knicks trade back, it's it's to get someone they know is going to be good. So I can't see them doing it for a project. Um, but, you know, Colby Jones, I was talking about if Jalen Hood Shafino falls, um, if Keontae George really falls, I, I know Sam Vecini mocked him 15 to the Knicks. We talked about that on uh, last dream, last week's episode of dream, um, as we did with Wasserman's mock today. Um, if some of these guys fall, yeah, you really have to look into it. Um, however, the, the concept of a project I don't think is appealing to the Rose front office. And that's why if they were going to do so and get a project, I think that it would be um, higher up in the draft. I think it would be Taylor Hendricks who now I really, I think has played himself out of their range. Even if they get this Dallas pick has played himself out of their range. Um, but yeah, Fargo Tufo. Thank you. Fargo for the super chat. Thank you for the support for being here, especially for showing your support with a super chat. Thank you. Eric Ward next up with the queue. Do you think Amani Bates is worth a second round flyer? Yes. Yes. I, I think Amani Bates is worth a second round flyer. Um, I think, if you want to get really interesting, the conversation starts with how the expectations loftied upon him early in his life at the age of 14 and, and on 14 and 15 and on have affected his play now and, and his development over the years, how that it's affected his play now in 
transitive property ways um, would be a fascinating conversation to have. Uh, I'd love to talk to a scout about that. Uh, if you are an NBA scout that secretly listens to dream or draft class, please reach out to me um, from a burner and talk to me about this. Cause I'm really fascinated in the effects of social media on development and things like that. Um, I do major in journalism here at college, but I'm taking a lot of, you know, sociology, taking a lot of ethics and media journalism, ethics, media law. I love these classes. So seriously, um, if you are, if you are a scouter GM listening to this, please hit me up on a burner. I'd love to discuss this with you to answer Eric's question. Uh, I think Imani is good at basketball. I think that Johnny Davis was really good at basketball in college and the amount of tough shots that he got off really impressed me. Um, but instead of taking more time to ask why all of his shots were so tough, I got kind of caught up in the, he can do it. So he should do it and he's going to do it. But in college, especially with guards and wings, you got to show me the easy buckets. I got to see you score easily on the other team. And Imani Bates does not score easily on the other team in a half court setting. It's only in transition in a half court setting. He doesn't get those easy buckets. He's got to work for him. Um, and I'm not saying that's something that can't happen for him, but it's something that I want to see from you now, if I'm taking you in the first round. So second round is already where I'm, I'm thinking of him. Um, but I like him there. I like him in that spot. And I, and I think in the 30 to 60 range, especially the 40 to 60 range of this draft um, is where he'll be picked. The 40, I'd say 40 to 52 is his range. Um, and he might go in the higher end of that or even 38, something like that. I just, it's a loaded class. So we'll probably slide a bit. Uh, I, I just, I do think he has potential. I also think he has potential to kind of end up like a Troy Brown junior type where um, and I don't mean to say that in a negative way, but like, cause I actually love TBJ and his game and I liked him in Washington and yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but like other than me, you know, like liking the aesthetics of TBJ's game, he's a, a big, big guard type of player who just can't create for himself or others consistently. Like he just has to get created for. Um, and that's the worry with Imani is that he's kind of just going to be out there. Uh, so yeah, Eric, thanks for the question. Um, thanks Fargo for the question. You guys doing a great job kicking it off. Hey, Mars Jetson with a great question here. Hey, Chris, did you ever get to watch Bilal, the six, six young wing on Webanyama's team? Yes. Bilal Kulabali. I really hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, cause he, uh, you know, not that if you're not a good prospect, you don't like everyone deserves to have their name said correctly, but Kulabali is really cool. No pun intended. He definitely deserves to have his name said correctly. He is a really interesting um, prospect. Yes, he is 6'6", young wing. He was born in 2004. <laughs> I was born in 2002. We have reached the age of draft class where these guys are younger than me. Um, but yeah, he is... He wants it on defense, uh, but he also can, I feel like can, will be able to guard multiple positions. Um, he could play wing in the NBA. I think you see a more spaced out floor, him getting to switch out there. And, and yeah, I, I'm interested in him, um, but I haven't ever watched the Metropolitan's 92 team without having a really lasered in eye on women. Yama. Um, and so that's on me, but I have to get to that. I just, he's so incredible that I kind of get distracted. Uh, it just it, like looking at how insane he is as a prospect. Um, 
but I, I, Bilal is currently on my list of my short. How many guys? I've got a short list of like 20 guys that are like next up for me to deep dive and really hone in on. And he's on there. So, um, yeah, I'll have more on him. Uh, but I do think that you just can't, um, you can't just write him off because he plays in France. I think that's too common in scouting. Uh, like maybe xenophobia vibes oddly, but uh, yeah, I feel like, you know, international guys who have flaws that could be talked about, get the wrong flaws talked about like all the time. I just see people like, Oh, well he's playing against nobody's and cool it. All right. I mean, we can, we can be, we can be a little more researched here. Um, But yeah, Mars, he's cool. And uh, his defense has stuck, stuck, stood out to me in the games I've watched of 92 Metro. Um, but I haven't watched with like a focused eye on, on just him. Uh, JP, let's get that next queue up. Thank you, Mars. Reynaldo Maldonado with the queue. Welcome Reynaldo to dream. Thank you for the question haven't seen you in chat before which is why i say welcome sorry if you have been here and i'm welcoming you on like your fourth listen <laughs> um but what's up thank you for the cue if for any reason that pick falls um to dallas do you th- i assume that's what you meant do you think we trade it or draft a, a young man oh oh if the knicks get the pick um so if the pick falls the knicks get it do the Knicks trade it or draft someone? I do think the Knicks will draft someone with that pick. However, they might trade back. They always might trade back. I I really... This front office loves value. Sean with the W always says this front office values value. Uh, and I love that because uh, I think it's true. And part of that means that trading up is like never worth it in the NBA. Um, it's rarely worth it. And so the Knicks are probably never going to be doing that or investing their capital that way. If they're going to invest star level capital, they should get a star level player back. Um, and with how much it's going to cost to get up to the top of this year's draft, I really can't see them trading up. So maybe a couple spots, but, but not significantly to the point where they're opening up a whole tier of prospects that we previously saw as unlockable for them. Uh, I do think the Knicks will leave the first round with the prospect. If not, then the top 35, you know, with someone like Colby Jones, if he falls um, or someone like a, like a Max Lewis, if he's there at 35, but see, he just, he, he can't contribute year one because he can't guard in the NBA level that early. I think, his defense is better than people say. I don't think he can guard right away. So I can't see the Knicks doing all that for him either. Um, but yeah, you know, it, I, I do think the Knicks would leave with the prospect in this draft. Thank you for the question, man. You guys, great questions to start out. Um, appreciate it. Jason Meredith, my guy. How we doing, man? Welcome back to Dream. Thoughts on Noah Clowney? I'm very high on him. Do you think he is a four or a five? Good question, Jason. Um, Noah Clowney, for those that don't know, because I, I think I've talked about him on here once with you before, Jason, but um, just to give the context out, uh, Clowney is... How do I, I'm trying to do like a quick pitch on him. Um, that's like very brief, but accurate. And I'm struggling with brief versus accurate. Uh, 
But yeah, Clowney is basically someone who, if you have scouted Brandon Miller, you've gotten to see a lot of Noah Clowney. Um, he's six foot ten. He's on the Crimson Tide. Uh and he just wrapped up a pretty good season. I know Prez really likes him. Um, this is a tough one. Four versus five at the NBA level. I'm going to go four. See, I almost answered four slash five to piss you off. I'm I'm gonna go with four. Um, yeah, I think the thing with Clowney is that no matter how much you like, mm, it's tough talking about such young players because you don't want to write them off early, you know. Um, but I just think that when when it comes to Clowney, when it comes to I'll stop filibustering. When it <laughs> when it comes to Clowney, when it comes to watching him, um, you see the athleticism, you see his length, and you think, well, okay, he's got like a plus five wingspan. I think he's six foot ten with like a seven two seven three wingspan there. Um, you know, how well can he move? I think he can move. I think he can rotate and get to spots defensively. Um, but if he's going to be that super effective four for you, you need the shot to translate. And this is where I was getting stuck trying to think about how to describe him earlier is like, he's a really good power forward. Who's not going to be able to matter because he can't matter early because he can't, um, can't shoot but he moves so cleanly laterally um and i love i love his technique in terms of the way he uses his size and his length already at this young age to close off lanes potential lanes to close off the paint um Obviously, I think it would take a lot to translate all that to the NBA level, but I think that can translate. It's just to me, like, I'm not going to have him over anyone I perceive to have real upside. I think Clowney is someone who you think is going to come in, do certain things, got to learn a couple other things, but like off the dribble, anything, you know, none of that is is happening um, against like real rim protectors in his first couple of years. So like, I just think yes, defensively he can come in, make an impact. If he were a weak side rim defender, Ooh, we, but um, maybe he needs to play the five early, a small ball five role and just live in the dunker spot. Maybe he needs to play with a five that can stretch the floor. You know, he's someone who you kind of have to put a little thought into your development of, um, and arrange things a certain way, as opposed to this is such a good prospect. He could just get out there and play. Um, and that's not to say, you know, super bad, whatever big knock, like have him top 25, top 27, top 20, whatever. But like, be wary of how long it's going to take in the NBA to unleash the things that he seems like he'll be good at. I think that's the best way to put what I was thinking of at the beginning. APJP. Cue me up a cue. Thank you, Jason. 
Jason A got Jason's coming in clutch in the chat today with the questions. Jason A with the super chat. Thank you, Jason A, man. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, you know, I, I know I don't shut up about it and I probably say it too many times every show, but like, it's crazy that I'm like here picking my classes for my first semester of senior year of college. And, um, then coming on to get to talk to you guys about something I love so much in scouting and the NBA draft, like you guys allow me an opportunity to, to do what I love and really already at such a young age feel like it matters so much. Um, and it matters a lot to me, but no matter what, no matter if it's, even if my, if I've got one listener and it's my mom and then I see it go to zero, cause even she got bored, you know, I'm going to care about this stuff like a madman, but knowing that you guys are here is so amazing. And it's like having friends come up to support you at a, at a concert or whatever, like you guys don't have to be here, but it means a lot that you are. And I really appreciate it. Thank you guys. Um, thank you, Jason, for the super chat. Thank you, Fargo, earlier. Thank you all for the questions. Um, thank you. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What's going on, Knicks fans? Power up for springtime with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Get nutritious, chef-prepared meals delivered straight to your door, leaving you time and energy to tackle everything on your to-do list. Get Factor and not only skip the trip to the grocery store, but skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. No matter what your lifestyle, Factor has the meals to help you live it to the fullest. With keto, calorie-smart, vegan veggie, and protein-plus meals on the menu each week, prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all of the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. With 35 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 36 plus quick bites, smoothies, juices, and more satisfying add-ons. Looking to cut back on takeout? Get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper than takeout, but meals are ready quicker than restaurant delivery. In just two minutes, eating vegan or veggie is a snap with Factor because each meal is prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. You know that your Factor meal has all of the ingredients you want and nothing you don't. And if you're looking to mix it up, you can add a protein to select vegan plus veggie meals each week. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes, there really is no easier way to eat well. Achieve and maintain your goals this year with Factor. Get America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit and start saving time, eating well, and living your best year ever. Don't hesitate. Head to factor75.com filmschool60 and use code filmschool60 to get 60% off your first box. That's code filmschool60 at factor75.com slash filmschool60 to get 60% off your first box. Uh, let me let me, let me get to Jason's cue here. The roster is probably weakest and, and definitely shortest on the wing. Who are the best prospects in the late lottery who could slot in at the backup three to four on day one? Cool. Jason, one more time. Thank you for the super chat. Um, super chats go towards keeping, keeping me verified on Twitter and making sure that I can get a job one day. So my coverage can be seen as, as many people as possible. It goes towards, like I said, breakfast sandwiches here in New York city, uh, in the Bronx boogie down. Um, it's just like, it's amazing knowing you guys got my back. Thank you so much. Um, the best prospects in the late lottery who could slot in at the backup three to four on day one. To me, you got to start out here with the acknowledgement that 
because the Knicks are good now, this is actually getting increasingly difficult to answer year by year. Someone who would have been able to come in and contribute for the Knicks year one may not be better than Obi Toppin, right? Like, or if Obi's gone and they can just sign Trey Lyles, right? Like the Knicks are good now and they're good to an extent where they may not be able to afford the same levels of patience that they have previously. Um, And as a result of that, it really means that they have to be more selective. They can't just go trade it all for Lillard or Beal. They need to wait for the right star. They can't trade it all for uh, young towns or Levine. They need to wait for the right young star. Right. And so when, when, when I hear contribute day one, you know, it's really tough because, um, you know, scouts right now are saying Hendricks is going to go higher than expected. Could really go top ten. Um, I think nine to Orlando is is a good guess for him. Um, if they get that pick, end up getting that pick. Uh, but he would be someone who you know could be there at thirteen or wherever that I think could bring value to the table day one. So Taylor Hendricks, UCF. There's one answer for you. Um, at that backup three four now. Someone in the late lottery, I'd say the best prospect actually projected to go in the late lottery who could slot in at the backup three day one is Grady Dick. Grady Dick is someone that I see as going to be a really great play finisher. Now, play finisher has a different meaning nowadays. I'm sitting up straight in my chair to talk to you guys about this. If you're listening, you didn't see that, but now you heard it. Um Play finisher means something different nowadays. I, I think play finisher has always traditionally meant, oh, you know, that guy's going to go dunk it, dunk at the rim. And what it, to me, a play finisher now is Duncan Robinson is a play finisher, right? Because he just does what a center does, except with threes instead of dunks. You follow? Not exactly, but you follow, right? So to me, Grady Dick is a play finisher because he's a great cutter. He'll get through the defense and go finish at the rim. He's a great cutter. Grady Dick is a great shooter and he can shoot one dribble, two dribble movement, step back. What like Grady Dick can shoot the pill. And, and so he can finish plays in that regard too. Um, and he's also like a six, eight, six, eight and a half wing. So he can dunk, he can finish plays at the rim. Yeah, he can do that too. So uh, you know, whether you perceive Grady as having a, a really good upside or not in regards to his off the dribble creation. I think he's going to be a really good play finisher. Um, And he doesn't have to be some insane passer to be a really good player. Now, if you buy him to become a good passer, a good playmaker off the dribble, all these things, you should be looking at this guy as a top 10 prospect, right? You should really be thinking this guy is about to go make a difference out there. Maybe 11th, 12th in the draft. You might see him as a Gordon Hayward type of player. Um, no reason for that comparison. Uh, and, and, and you, you might see him as, you know, if you don't buy it at all, you might see him as a, uh, Duncan Robinson type of player, no reason for that comparison. Um, and so as a result of these things, I think there's a wide range of outcomes for Grady Dick, but I personally see him being better than Duncan Robinson being someone who yes, can put the ball on the floor, get it inside, uh, create on a tilted floor already, you know, uh, not someone who you're trusting to go out there and create offense, but someone who can go out and, and make the best out of a situation that your lead player has attacked um, and already drawn attention towards themselves during. So yeah, Grady Dick, I would say is another um, 
you know, really good option. And then the backup three to four, he doesn't qualify. He doesn't qualify. He doesn't qualify. Sorry. Looking through my board here. Um, Oh, do, do, do. Mm, I don't see the defensive fit on a Thibodeau team, but Kyle Filipowski or flip as he's called in, in cir- draft circles lovingly. Um, Flip could be someone who, if the Knicks see him as a four, would be a six foot eleven power forward who could really pass the ball um, with some decent vision. But you're really getting him because you think he's an underrated defender. A lot of people don't like his defense much at all. If you think he's an underrated defender, if you think he's someone who uh, can pass out of the short role effectively right away in the NBA and who uh, can can shoot, you buy it all. I think he can create his own shot especially with NBA spacing. So, you know, that if you buy all that, um, you might be getting a Bielitsa plus kind no reason for that comparison kind of player. Um, you might be getting, you know, I, whatever it is, like you are buying into the guy coming in being good pretty much and, and having the potential at just 19 to get better. So, um, you know, like for example, Sam Vecini had him going to the warriors in his last mock draft. I had Christian Brown going to the warriors, uh, in a mock draft of mine. I just feel like teams like the nuggets and warriors are the teams that, that grab these guys up. Um, maybe even like a Memphis, you know, but New York is in that category now. So Filipowski, I could see being someone that they would like to take in like the late first, second round, but I think he'll go top 20, top 22. And then I don't think the Knicks bite that early, but he would be able to come play back at four day one, I would think. Um, And then, you know what? Let me give you, let me give you a project here. Let me give you a, a sneak name and I won't spend too much time delving into him because we'll saving him for later on in the program, you know, later dreams, later draft classes. I, I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm no, you know, playwright, but I know how to build a little suspense and drama. So let me tease you guys a little bit here with Rayon Rupert, six, seven wing, 19 years old, New Zealand breakers, baby. Um, this kid is defense, defense, defense. He's a six foot seven wing with a seven foot three wingspan. That's the same wingspan as the guy we were talking about earlier. Noah Clowney from Alabama, six foot 10 with a seven, three wingspan. Rupert is six foot seven with a seven, three wingspan. His defense is incredible. Um, he can guard the point of attack in spurts he can really guard out on the wing um i think he'll be able to get the point of attack down spot consistently at the nba level um he has great instincts great reaction time um and you know what he reminds me a little bit of grimes on offense in the sense that he used to play point guard but wasn't really good enough at it to where he could justify continuing playing point guard. So he has that kind of court vision going for him, but he just doesn't have anything else going for him to where uh, enough to the point where he could like lead an offense play in play out. So he doesn't do that anymore um, because he's at a higher level of play. Now, New Zealand, you play pros, you can't play point guard. If you're not a point guard, you got to be able to drive and kick and create and all those things get separation. Right. But um, Rupert is really interesting. And I think he's kind of like, you know how in NBA 2K, like if you adjust the wingspan or height, the stats go up and down. 
He's kind of like if you took Grimes and just put the wingspan up to the max, he lost and put the height up. You lose the shooting. You lose some of the speed. You lose a lot of the speed. You lose a lot of the shooting, a lot of the speed. Let me put it that way. You lose a lot of a lot of that stuff. Um, But basically. That's a weird way to put it, but I like that analogy actually a little bit, kind of. Yeah, I'm going to stick with that. So yeah, sliders up on height and wingspan on Grimes. You lose a lot of what Grimes is good for, but you gain a lot of tools, and then you hope you can teach the guy um, how to play. So, you know, Rupert is really cool, um, and he's someone who I think could slot in at the back of 3-4 like a year ago. Like if the Knicks weren't as good as they were now. Um, he would probably start in the G League if he were drafted, but yeah. Thank you for the super chat, Jason. Um, let's head to the next question. Jason M. Oh my gosh, we got a Jason sandwich going on. A lot of Jasons in consecutive manner. Mad. Uh, thoughts on Jalen Wilson and Jamie Jacques? I'm not high on either, but they will probably be available in the second round. Okay. Jalen Wilson. Let's start there. Um, Again, having trouble trying to sum up my thoughts, but Wilson's cool. Um, You know, two year starter at Kansas um, or three year. Several year starter at Kansas. Um, and and listen, he has been a semifinalist for uh Naysmith Player of the Year. You know, that's an that's an accolade he's got on his resume. Um, Big 12 player of the year this year. Uh Big 12 first team, obviously, this year. Um, he had academic first team in the Big 12 this year. So give him credit for that. Or sorry, that was last year, but academic first team last year. Um, Kansas is going to be, you know, retiring his Jersey. He's getting the Julius Irving award as the best small forward in the country. Jalen Wilson was really good for Kansas this year. Um, what you're buying is the skill. You need to buy that. The skill is good enough to help him survive at the pro level. Um, second round, go ahead, do it right. But send him to Westchester, let him build there. I think that the Knicks are at that point as a team, you know, and then um, it, when it comes to if he ever is going to get brought up to, you know, the, the league league, um, do you buy that he'll be able to go make something happen with the ball in his hands or will he be bound to the corner? I'm leaning more corner, but that's up to you. Um Jamie Jocks, this last name. Um, it's what Jason wrote with a Z at the end. So, I, I, listen, as King, I don't do last names because my last name is the worst. Gotta, I need to stop watching games with the commentary off and listening to podcasts while I do it because I would actually hear how to pronounce people's names. Yeah, I'm going to start. <laughs> this is like when I was on draft Strickland and press kept saying Kassan Wallace. And I was like, all right, he does the same thing as me where he listens to music or listens to podcasts while he watches these games. Cause I've heard the Kentucky commentators say case in a million times. Um, but yeah, no. So with, with Jamie, basically 
Pac-12 player of the year. Um, but the Pac-12 has no first round picks this year for the first time in a little bit. I said this last week, WCC is going to have more first round prospects than the Pac-12 this year. Um, Jamie's someone to me who's like a good college player. He was a good dude in college. He had a nice nice career. Um, again, I don't want to write him off. I, I would draft Wilson over him, um, but like I'm less com- I don't want to write Wilson off. I mean, but I mean, I'm less confident in, in Jamie's ability to have things translate. Um, he doesn't really wow me with any of his physical attributes uh, out there on the court. He hasn't popped off the screen to me in any way. Um, he was a wooden all American. You know, he, he is deserving of the recognition he got this year. I just also think that when you look at what he did out there, career best year, um, yes, it's very encouraging. However, how good was the Pac-12 this year? How good was that competition he was facing? Um, You know, the defense is there. Is he someone who... Is he someone who really just ends up being good? Like he's just, he's good, good college player. Does he, does that all translate or does he not have the ability to get it to translate to the NBA level? Um, Obviously that's like why I'm here is to answer that question about every prospect. But I think with, with, I think with triple J, it's a really good question. Um, because I just don't know if he's just a fun college player or an actual pro. Um, and I, I cannot lie on camera. So I'm not going to say, I know it's one of the two. I just think that he really loves playing. He seems to really care. I, I buy this kid to stick. It just might be as a two way player his first couple of years. It just might be in low opportunities. It might just be, I, I kind of talked myself into him while doing the spiel. Um, if you didn't notice that just there, but, <laughs> but yeah, I'll buy both these guys in the mid second round to early the, the mids. I'll say mid second round. I'll buy. Um, I'm not too high on either to where I'd go the, the top 35 range um, or better. So yeah, Jason, thanks for the question. I know I went back and forth there a lot, but that was like, it was interesting. You asked about these two guys together because they kind of made me think about each other in a different way. If that makes sense. Thank you for that question. Um, appreciate it. All right. Got a question from Lee Walker or Hendricks. And additionally, Gigi or Derek. I love these kind of questions from you guys. Prospect X versus prospect Y. Um, I don't know if you mean in general or in terms of the Knicks. So I'm going to answer both. I'm going to do both questions in both regards. So you're going to get four answers here. Okay. Um, Walker versus Hendricks to start. This is a really good question. I think um, at in the draft lottery, there's like, do you take the athlete and try to teach him how to play? Or do you take the kid who knows how to play and hope he bulks up and becomes a better athlete and gets better? And like sometimes a manual, like a manual quickly could play. He just needed to learn how to play, make and bulk up. That was it. <laughs> right. And he had the ability to play make. He just never played point guard. So that question mark got its answer. Um, 
I think he also developed a lot in that regard. Uh, when I think about Jairus and Taylor Hendricks, I think like Jairus has athleticism that's like Hendricks's. They're both really great athletes. I'd probably take Jairus over Hendricks as an athlete. Jairus has instincts for all the things that Taylor lacks when you compare them, like everything that Jairus can do that Taylor can't it's because Jairus can do it naturally and Taylor can't, and he has to learn how to do it. Um, so for me, these guys are number five and number eight on my board right now. Cause their archetype is a wrecking ball in this modern NBA. I think at the four position, but both of these guys can really stir some serious shit up out there. Um, and be like really good players, like star caliber players of impact because of how great they are. Um, but Jairus can pass. Jairus can play make in this ideal world where these guys have both reached 90th percentile outcomes. Jairus is out there hitting floaters and crossing guys up and throwing lobs to the five, four, five lobber. Like I, I think Taylor Hendricks is out there pulling up, getting a bucket, taking it to the rim. Jairus is doing all this stuff with the spin move, with the hook, with the float, with the corner three, with the, and he's your anchor on defense and he's your quarterback on defense. Hendricks is like the best defensive end. Like he is your best player on defense, but right now he's not running everything. He's not stirring the whole drink on his own, the way Jairus gives that feel off that he does. So I definitely go with Walker. Um, and I think the Knicks uh, would be better off selecting Walker as well. Um, yeah. I I also think the Knicks would be really well off selecting Hendricks. Like, I think the Knicks should go out of their way to get Taylor Hendricks. I think he'd be an amazing fit with them. I just also am aware that everything I want Hendricks to be, Jairus is closer on the track. Um, and that's like an exaggeration, but not really GG Jackson or Derek Whitehead. You're killing me. I'm going to go Derek Whitehead, both for the Knicks and in general on my big board. Um, and, and to me, that's because Jackson is, I think Jackson can be really good, but I think Jackson can be really bad. I think Derek Whitehead's, I think Derek Whitehead can be pretty good, but I think Derek Whitehead is going to be pretty solid. Like he'll be fine. He'll be pretty mediocre at worst. That's what I meant to say. Mediocre. I think pretty mediocre, mediocre, light, mediocre, whatever you want to put it to good. Very good is his outcomes, right? With Jackson, it's like, really great to Jesus Christ. We selected that guy in the first round. We are getting fired. <laughs> like, you know? Um, so that's why I'm going to go with Whitehead. Um, but if you're a team like Charlotte, you might also want to go with Whitehead. Now, if you're a team like San Antonio, you may want to go with Jackson. So yeah, Lee, thank you for the question um, for the double question rather. And uh, I had fun answering it. I hope you enjoyed my answer. Ryan Shepard with a question. Guys just want to let you know, um, say we got about like 12 minutes left, eight Oh five wrap time. I like to, 
I like to push past the hour mark for you guys do a little 65 minute show. Um, so keep those questions rolling. Keep those super chats rolling in because I'm here for more of them. Keep them coming guys. You just see your final chance to get in a super chat. Um, so get those in, get your comments in if not, but would love your comments would really love your comments and questions. Um, and whether you're going to ask a comment or question or not, Go leave a thumbs up real quick. Mid-episode thumbs up. Go drop that. All right. Ryan Shepard with the Q. Any players late first or in the second round worth trading into a pick for, assuming the Mavs pick doesn't convey? Yeah, Ryan. So um, Colby Jones from Xavier is one guy I'll bring up. You should you know, mark down to, to watch a little bit of. Um, I think Maxwell Lewis is worth trading into a pick for. If you don't got one, uh, if he falls, yeah, I, I, I'm high on him. I think he's worth that. Um, who else? I'm trying to think late first for you. If Jed Howard falls to the late first, he's worth it. Uh, we talked about that a bit last week uh, here on dream. Jed Howard is falling and he's there late. That is worth it. Um, who else might fall? I think I think Rupert, I just talked about him six, seven uh, wing plays in New Zealand. I think he'd be worth it if he felt um, again, you know, Colby Jones, Max Lewis. I'm going to give those guys shouts. Um, you know what? Six, seven guard at a UCLA, Jamie Jacques Jr. I'm going to go with triple J there because I think he might be worth an early second round pick early second round. Uh, as in like 38, not 32, 31. I'm talking like 38, but like, I think he might be worth that. Um, and I'll give you one more pods, Brandon pod, Podzemski, Podzemski, Brent B pods, Brandon pods. He goes to Santa Clara, um, six, five wing slash guard, uh, Jalen Williams successor at Santa Clara as you know, one and done player that will uh, go and head to the NBA draft. Um, I don't know if pods will get taken in the first round. I doubt he will. I do think he should go in the early second. Um, And that's someone who, you know, if the Knicks wanted to grab him, send him to the G league for a year and, and let him really develop there with on ball reps. I think they could gain a lot from that. Um, and he would be a fantastic complimentary player after that as a result. Um, but yeah, Ryan, those are your names. I hope you enjoy your uh, journey to go check out some tape on them. I would say those are, those are the names you're looking at. I really want to want to highlight Colby Jones. Something tells me he might be a fit. Something tells me the Knicks might look at him and say, we've already got Josh Hart and Quentin Grimes. What are we doing? Getting another one of these guys. But if the Knicks view Hart and more of a Draymond Green light than in a Quentin Grimes light, there might be a fit for someone like Jones. So yeah, thank you, Ryan, for the cue. Hope I answered it well enough for you. Uh, Jeez, that was bad. We got another question from Lannon Takayama. Um, 
Naquan Tomlin thoughts. Love this question. Um, you know, if you guys know Kenny King of the fourth quarter, I, uh, I told, I, you know, responded to a tweet of his whatever months ago. Um, he asked for draft prospects to check out. And I, I put Naquan Tomlin, not because I thought Naquan Tomlin was one of the best prospects in this draft class, but because I thought Naquan Tomlin was one of the more thought provoking prospects in this draft class. Um, I'm sure you were interested a little bit more in my thoughts on him as a prospect specifically, which I'll get to, but I really like what Tomlin represents in in regards to the future of the NBA. Um, Look at someone like Naquan Tomlin and then look at someone like Obi Toppin. Those guys play the same position at the NBA level. And and that's really fascinating to me. I think Tomlin is a sign of things to come uh, in the Chet Holmgren, Bull Bull, Victor Wembanyama um, world of guys. These fours that are the size of fives, but have the on-ball skill to justify not being able to be a full-time five and playing at at the four. These guys are fascinating. These guys very well may be the future of the NBA. And if you really believe in things like this, then the Brooke Lopez, Mitchell Robinson archetype of centers will be dying out soon. Guys like Lopez who can shoot guys like Robinson with otherworldly athleticism will survive this change. But guys like Daniel Gafford, these drop bigs who don't have otherworldly athleticism and impact like Robinson, they might become the, you know, veteran minimum deals of the league. We're just a couple years back. They were getting 12, 13 million a year. And now they're not worth much to these teams anymore because of these guys in the build of bull bull, Naquan Tomlin, et cetera, et cetera. Now with Tomlin in particular, I do think he brings a lot of intrigue to the table as a prospect, which naturally makes me inclined to want to like him a lot. Um, but I am wary of how good he is in regards to how much of the stuff that he looks good at will he actually get to show off at an NBA level. And when I think about it like that, I really just feel like he might not get drafted. Um, and if he does, it will be late. Um, now, the other thing with Tomlin is that when you take a look at the 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 amount of work that goes into getting someone like him ready, um, it's a lot. But I don't think it's as much as you would need for someone like uh, like Grant Nelson. Grant Nelson from North Dakota State to me is like the real pitfall to fall in of someone who just might not be good enough on the ball to justify it putting someone of that size out there that can't do certain things. Um, But Tomlin to me has the quickness. He has the handle. It's just, you know, a lot of people want to look at a player like Naquan and be like, that's Pascal Siakam 2.0 and improved. And it's like, okay, what if he was the new day Trey Lyles? (laughs) Like what if instead of shooting lights out shooting, above league average and then being able to handle and initiate pick and roll is like the new thing for force. Um, that's why I love Jairus Walker because he can initiate the pick and roll. He has the court vision. So to me, I think Tomlin brings up a really interesting conversation. I would draft him in this NBA draft late in the second round. Um, 
Because if I if I'm a GM, I have a coaching staff I trust, and if I trust the coaching staff, I'm giving them this guy to work with. But would he be a two way player? Would he be a late second round, mid second round selection? Maybe he goes 45 in this year's draft, you know. But to me, it's a matter of you know how much are you a believer in him getting the ability to show off the skills that make him look so enticing at the NBA level with NBA caliber defenders. Um, Three more minutes to go here on dream. Let's see if we can speed run through some of these last questions. Let's go JP. Thank you for the question. Lee would Rosen company be more hood Shafino or Anthony black at 11. In my opinion, in my opinion, I think they would be more Anthony black. And the reason I say that is because when, if they were drafting at 11, I think they just want the guys with the access to the most game breaking tools. Hood Shafino really screams Walt Perrin, but his analytics are a little wonky. And I was talking to Prez uh, at underscore Presidente on Twitter. Um, he's basically me, except he works for the Strickland and he's way better at this. Um, and you should actually listen to the stuff he says. We were talking about this and he was like, I can't see them taking Hood Shafino because his analytics are so wacky that um, it's not really like a fit. And I totally agree. I think if they're going to take someone with with analytics that are a little off in the shooting or whatever it is, Anthony Black, who's able to impact the floor positively, even without being able to shoot at all, would be more up their alley. Also, Black's defensive potential to me, Thibodeau would love that. Um, I think Thibodeau would be pissed that Black can't shoot and love everything else about him. So I think they would be more Anthony black APJP next rapid fire question. If we got one, if not, I put you on the spot for no reason. Um, in which case, sorry, no question. Okay. So with that said, I want to address something here to close out this episode. Thank you guys for the questions. Um, but let's talk for this final one, two minutes before we all head out tonight. Um, or, you know, if you're listening, stay and listen to this. It's, it's an update on my big board. So I told you guys last week, you know, if you guys want a top 10 big board, I can have that ready for this next episode of dream and updated top 10, but there might not be that many changes to it. And there were not. So in my top 10, one player moved down two spots. Two guys moved up one spot as a result. Everything else is the same as the top 10 that I recently put out who that player is. You will have to wait and find out as well as find out who the next four guys are on my board, because I am cooking up with Zach bladder right now, you know, not as we speak, but right after this show ends, I'm going to get back to him on, on finishing up the work here. My top 14 lottery big board for you guys. So that will be ready soon. That will be up on my Twitter, up on my Instagram. You can find me on either platform, Twitter or Instagram at Chris Percy. and K R I S P is in Peter. U R S I A I N E N go type that into Twitter or Instagram and you will find my latest draft board. Once it's up, we got the top 14 coming soon for you guys. Um, we have currently reached about 19, sorry, 22 to 23 hours of draft film. Watch this cycle, not counting live March Madness games. So I'm trying to keep that counter going in my head for you guys. We're at about 24 hours of film, honestly. 
because I was up late last night. So yeah, we're up to like 24 hours of film. Um, this has been an amazing journey. Thank you guys for coming with me on it and, and hanging out with me along it. Stay tuned to my Twitter, my Instagram, like I said, for that big board of mine. It's going to drop soon and you're going to be like, whoa, I really know about the top 14 guys in this class. He's talked about them on dream. Now I see them on the board. It's a nice way to put it all together. In my opinion, I can't wait for you guys to see this lottery big board. It looks awesome. The design is amazing. My guy, Zach is the best. I hope you guys enjoy speaking of, I hope you enjoyed this show here today. If you did remember, go leave this YouTube video a thumbs up. If you're listening afterwards, go find the YouTube video and leave that thing a thumbs up. Come on now. We doing it up over here on dream, doing it big, dreaming big. May I? And basically, um, I'm so hyped to keep talking about the NBA drive with you guys. Three straight weeks of dream was an absolute blast. I'm going to disappear back into the clouds for a couple weeks. You'll see me around WFUV sports here on KFS, maybe do a mailbag, but, um, I will be back soon to start season two of draft class and to do more dreams with you guys until then I want to shout out AP JP behind the scenes for helping out today. I want to shout out every single person that came to watch today. I really appreciate you. Um, I want to shout out every friend of mine. If, if you're, you know, someone who came from my Instagram story, who knew I was doing a show, uh, but isn't even on Nick's Twitter, like the rest of us mad people. Um, thank you for popping out. I got to shout out everyone who commented. You were a really big part of today's show. Thank you for helping the show go as well as it did. In my opinion, at least. Um, and a really big thank you to our super chatters today. Thank you guys for the support. Thank you guys for the love. It is felt. It is read. It is heard. Um, and, and honestly, it's just really, it's much appreciated. I don't want to harp on that too much and get annoying and sappy on you guys, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everyone for list to everyone for listening. Go hit that thumbs up. Go leave a five-star rating. Go subscribe to the Knicks film school, YouTube, go turn notifications on the KFS has a Patreon. Come hang out. Come talk draft with me. Come bother me with your questions. Bother Jeremy with your cap questions. Bother Macri in general. Come do it. Go check out the Knicks Film School website for updates on playoff merch and everything that you could need for the New York Knicks coming up soon. For KFS, I'm Chris Persiane and a WFUV Sports signing off, thanking you guys once more for tuning in.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.